Welcome to The Stretch. Man, join us today for an incredible conversation. Let me ask you this. How does a class president, cheerleader, church gal end up in an abusive relationship that even ends up in sexual abuse? Man, today I want to encourage you, stay the whole time. Like this conversation is a very important conversation in our day as we understand how it can happen and how you can find healing and restoration through a very, very dark, difficult circumstance. So join us. Welcome to The Stretch. Hey everybody, I'm here with Emily Ann Buck today, and I'm excited about this conversation. And thanks I'm for joining too. us. Yeah, I'm That's, so excited to be here. Yeah, you know, your family is part of our church, and you've got an incredible story. And so uh, why don't we just jump in? Why don't you tell us your story of how you came to the Lord, your family, you know, yeah. all, all the good stuff. Yeah, uh, awesome. Well, um, I'm Emily Ann, and I grew up basically in this church, um, which is really cool because I left, came back after college. But I became a Christian at seven years old, and um, and I know at a young age you think, oh well, maybe that wasn't. But he was he Jesus was so profound in my life at such a young age. Um, just the memories of the love I had for him, and so life was really really great. Um, I have Christian parents that raised me to know him, and a family that's you know still together. My parents are still married, and yes, they, I got my dad working in the church and. Mm-hmm. And a great family. I'm so blessed. And uh, when I hit my high school years, everything changed yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so I was involved here in the youth group. And, you know, middle school, high school kids, it is what it is. You're hanging out with people and, and everything. But um, what turned my world upside down was an abusive relationship mm. that I don't even know how I got in it. Mm. Statistically, sometimes the dad isn't in a girl's life, but my dad is like my best friend to this day. So there is purpose behind everything. So as I tell you my story, I don't regret anything that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily want to go through it again, but I have seen God's story just shine in this Mm -hmm. to set the captives free and to help those who are in these abusive relationships, even those that may call themselves believers in Christ or in the church with you. So um, the guy that I started dating, um, I knew him since I was like fourth grade, Um, you know, wonderful family. So we thought um, that we're very popular in the community. And when we started dating, everything was just perfect. Like Mm -hmm. I um, felt like I was falling in love. I was 15 years old. And uh, we started to get serious and everything was what you would call the honeymoon phase. So this is where, you know, there's no arguing. There's you got the butterflies in your stomach and there's a reason it's falling in love because you're literally falling. Um, And so everything was perfect. And about a month into that relationship, uh, there started to be different types of abuse, which started with the verbal abuse. And the name calling for me was the worst. Mm. My love language is words of affirmation. So I was beaten down with words every single day, all day long, um, called every name in the book, every cuss word. And then immediately it would pivot to, but I love you Mm. and I can't live without you. And please forgive me. So as a 15 year old girl, never having been in some serious relationship before, unfortunately I thought, well, this is just what love is. Yeah. And what happens with abusers is it's a manipulation and a brainwashing over time. You don't just go on a first date and then you see them for who they are. It's something that happens over time. So 
um, I was sucked in and I wasn't talking about it with my friends. And then from then on, the verbal abuse turned into a psychological, emotional, mental, and even sexual abuse. Mm. So 15, 16 years old, I'm in this relationship for a year and a half. And things start to happen. And I knew as, you know, a good Christian girl that some of these things weren't right. But I also had so many questions and I didn't feel like I could go to my parents about it. And main reason why is my parents had me in this Christian home and his parents were like, cool. Mm. Like they were the ones like allowing things to happen. And they were, you know, they had my parents fooled because they thought they were also this really grounded Christian family. So as the sexual abuse and all these things started to increase, um, I was in a really dark, dark Mm. place. And so summer was coming around, and I've got so many stories I could share if we had all day. Mm. But summer was coming around um, before sophomore year of high school. And I had finally realized something in my head was telling me, like, this is not, you know, this is not natural. This is not healthy. This is a unhealthy relationship. So I broke up with him three different times. Well, the third time that I broke up with him, he um, called me back and he was crying so hard. I could barely make out the words, but he said, if I can't have you, I can't live. Mm. And he hung up the phone. Mm. Well, I knew what he was doing. So I call 911 and the ambulance came out, took him to the hospital and they ended up pumping his stomach. And, um, you know, he had tried to commit suicide over our relationship. And here we are 16 years old at this point. And where we had gotten to was he was telling me where I could go, who I could talk to, um, what to wear, what not to wear. Um, There's a story. I have to tell this story because it's going to date me, and it's hilarious. (laughs) But if you're listening and you don't know what a payphone is, then I'm sorry, (laughs) but this is a huge part of the story. So I was at a friend's pool and swimming in the pool, and this payphone rang. And um, somebody was like, hey, uh, it's for you. So I go over and answer this phone, and I hear, who the are you with and where the are you? And, you know, as I've gotten older and processed that, like, how the heck did he get the number to right. a payphone? Pay like, phone. this, we don't have smartphones looking this up. Like, right. he had to really dig and research how to get this payphone number. But the point is, he always knew where I was. Mm-hmm. He always knew who I was talking to, Um And a big warning sign, you know, for these young girls, um, and obviously I was young, but this could be for women too, is the uh, gift giving. And uh, he would show up on my doorstep at 12 o'clock at night with flowers and gifts, just constantly trying to win back my affection. So we would fight, fight, fight. He'd name call, and then he'd show up with gifts, trying to constantly win me back. So I was at that place when I was breaking up with him. So kind of the turn of events was... After he came home from the hospital, his parents finally saw, uh, yeah, you guys may may need to split Mm -hmm. apart. And I was ecstatic because I'd been trying to dump the guy. Like, I was like, yes, I can have my life back and move on. So sophomore year starts, and um, I started to date somebody else. Lasted like two weeks because he said... Look, every time I call you, he's on. He's calling you. Every time I come to talk to you, he's around. Like, he's always there, and mm-hmm. I can't compete with that. So I sank into a deeper depression, and uh, people used to say I was a cheerleader. I was class president. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, like, involved in my school, and they were like, what's wrong with you? Like, you are the happiest person, and you're just – something's wrong with you. And I just said nothing. So, um, unfortunately, what happened was I got a phone call one day from him to come to his house because his parents weren't there. 
And I tell you this part of the story because um, what we're seeing today is just yeah. spreading like wildfire. And I said, I know what you want, and I'm not coming over. Hmm. Well, I gave in. Lied to my parents yeah. and said I was going over there. And you probably don't need to guess how badly my parents hated this guy at this point, right. um, even though they didn't know everything was going on. Mm-hmm. And when I showed up at his house... Um, I was sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. and it also led to pictures mm-hmm. being taken. Yeah. Um, and so I share that vulnerability with you because yeah. a lot of teens today are doing this willingly, right. or they don't understand that that is child pornography. Yeah. And so um, keeping it short, I left that night. It was the first time I cried in months because I was numb. And an abuser will tell you a, a, a description of how they feel is just numb. Mm. I wasn't crying anymore. I wasn't living anymore. Um, and I just, um, you know, was the deepest place I could be suicidal thoughts for sure. Um, as months passed on, I showed up at school one day and he was passing out pictures. Mm. Um, so again, long story short, the police had to get involved. Um, we were going to go to court. I was under a gag threat by the court, which means you're not allowed to discuss your case. Mm. And abusers are really wonderful at lying and manipulating. And so he was able to share his side of the story with the entire school um, while I had to completely keep my mouth shut. So, um, you know, I lost friends. I had people betray me. I was spit on. I was name called. And literally all I had was my Bible Mm. at that point. I, I only had this yeah. Bible that's at my home falling to pieces. Yeah. And I will never forget the presence that God had in my life during mm-hmm. that time. I just remember reading about persevering and, and the crown of life and knowing that he was there for me. And here we are battling. Do we go to court? Do we not go to court? Do we press charges? Like all these things. Um, I was told I wasn't allowed to go to school. Mm. I remember days going to school and was pulled out. I had a restraining order against him. Um, my dad slept with a gun under his pillow. Mm-hmm. Um, the threats that were made from him and the family, it was a, it was a family affair. The mm-hmm. whole family was involved. And um, thought about drugs, thought about alcohol, thought about switching schools. Um, I already mentioned um, ending my life. Yeah. And it was uh, definitely the darkest time I had ever been through. But through that, school ended that sophomore year. And I went to youth camp here, mm-hmm. just like I always do. And yeah. Lo and behold, that week was about dating. Hmm. And this is how God works, because that started to pick me up. And Hmm. I learned about healthy relationships through dating. And I made a promise to myself. I was already wearing a true love waits ring. Hmm. And that what I had left of myself was that one thing that you gift your husband on a wedding night. He took everything else from me. And I told myself, you know, this ring isn't just because my parents bought it for me. Mm-hmm. This ring isn't uh, just to wear it because I'm unsure of myself. That ring was to prove that I had already been so broken and I saw the ugliness of sin mm-hmm. and that dark side. And I recommitted my entire life um, moving forward that I would only date a Christian mm-hmm that, um, you know, the boundaries were going to be set when we started dating. And I was not going to have any part of that because I don't have anything to give my husband. So I went through three different therapists Mm. and they told me I was going through stuff that a 30 year old woman would go through. Mm. And I just knew in my head that what I had been through was so I I felt so damaged and useless. And I was called uh, damaged by him and useless and that nobody would ever love me. So over time, God was able to pour into me and and pick me up. And my whole junior year of high school was used to kind of um, 
refine myself. Yeah. And by the time I graduated high school, um, I may have not had as many signatures in my yearbook, yeah. <laughs> but I had more quality. Yeah. And people said, I have watched you, and you are the strongest person I know because of your walk right. with Jesus. Yeah. And so when I went off to college, I did, I ran. I was like, get me out of Knoxville. I'm yeah. never coming back. Yeah. Um, and I did come back because I met my husband, so it's his fault. <laughs> but, but moving forward, um, I had my degree in criminal justice and worked in the jail for the sheriff's office for 11 years. Okay. And God set up a really cool story where I ended up telling my story for three hours one day in tears. It was the first time I just told my whole story mm. all these years later. And she's crying. She's like, you've got to share this story. So um, they connected me to the police department, the special crimes unit. And they said, would you come share your story? Mm -hmm. And that led to speaking in public schools. So I speak this story in churches and schools for 12 years now. And um, my favorite is to speak in a Christian setting because this story is not about me. It mm -hmm. is about what God took yeah. and the broken, and he used it for his good and his glory. Mm. And so I am an open book. I yeah. don't shy away from sharing that with people because um, one, in, one in three girls are being abused. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the times it may even just be verbal abuse, and they don't even know that that's yeah. what it is. And it can be in the church. Mm -hmm. It was in the church for me. It right. can be in a Christian setting. And right. so... Um, it's it's rampant, and a lot of people are just so brainwashed, and, the, and they, they're not aware of that. But yeah. God is so good. He took that story. He's been using it through my entire life. Yeah. Um, and so he gets all the glory for Amen. for that. Yeah. And, um, you know, Emily, yeah. you know, as, you know, one in church, leader in church, it's, it's heartbreaking just to know, you know, what you went through like it just grieves my soul so much to think that you know i mean it's while sin is sin and it's everywhere right like yeah. um we as the body of christ um we've, we've got to be better and, and do better yeah. you know and and i don't know that i know all the answers to that but yeah but i guess so a question one is like talk to talk to us a little bit so man you you obviously grounded yourself in the word i mean from seven and then in high school, when the wheels when the wheels fall off, like you're grounded in the word. But you're a person filled with so much hope. You know, you're a person filled with so much joy. Uh, I think so many times people who um, have the difficulty that you've experienced, man, the enemy takes their joy for life. Oh, but yeah. God's given you an incredible family and precious kids. Like, yeah. like yeah. tell that tell that part of the story of just like what has God done in you to enable the life that He's given you now? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love Jesus with my whole entire heart. And he, um, I, you know, there's certain things in my life where I look at just that story. That's just one story. That's just one testimony of yeah. what he's done. And like, how do you not see that he is real yeah. and he can, he can overcome, yeah. you know, through these things and being able to see people's lives change, mm. um, through how he takes that ugliness and takes yeah. that brokenness is, um, the most powerful thing that you can see. I think the most important thing is to put him first yeah. and it's okay to, to doubt and ask questions, but you will feel it with your entire being. It is a transformation. Yeah. It is not legalistic. It is um, wanting to be pure, yeah. you know, as a teenager mm. and that's hard. And, you know, I think that's something that we don't talk a lot about in the church or, you know, like uh, growing up in the youth group, you know, be this way, be yeah. a certain way and dress a certain way and whatever. 
Um, you know, and I was, and I need to say that I was still a 16 year old girl. I yeah. was sinning in my own way. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying as a victim of abuse yeah. that I that was sin. Right. That's not what I'm saying. I got you. But I still, you know, was a teenager trying to find my way, mm-hmm. and God was so good yeah. to pick that up. And I felt like personally, He was giving me these red flags, like, hey, I love you. You're my child. Yeah. Like, you're going down that path. Like, I'm here to pull you out. Yeah. And then finally, I feel like his hands were off. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go through this mm-hmm. because I love you so much right. that I've got these great plans for you yeah. to pour into other people. Yeah. And so my greatest joy is to be able to pray over these kids. Um, yeah, I've been in public school settings where I've been able to pull them aside and share Jesus with them. Yeah. Um, I've actually gotten in trouble for it. Um, <laughs> that's okay, because I teach right. my kids, hey, you ever get in trouble for Jesus, man, we're in a good place, right. right? Right, right. So um, that is where my joy is, is it's, it's a mission field yeah. to pour into them. Yeah. And I just remember as a 16-year-old girl saying, I want to help girls one day. I don't know how. I yeah. thought I was going to be a young life leader, but mm-hmm. that was not it. I don't know how, but I want to pour into them one day to share what God has done. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not where we rest. Like right. we move on from that. Yeah. And so, um, he has, he has just shown himself faithful, yeah. um, for so many years. And that does not mean life has been easy. Like right. you, you have the consequences. I've been in therapy as an adult over mm. it too. It, it follows you. Yeah. Um, but God is still always there with you and refining you constantly and taking you to new places yeah. for him. And that's what it is. It's all yeah. for him. It's all about him. Yeah. It's just not about me. Right. It seems as though, you know, Emily, you fought to not allow that moment of your life to define your life. Right. But be defined as a daughter of the king. Yes. And yeah. you're in a daily fight. We're all, oh. you know, we're all in a daily fight to overcome, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But, yeah. but but it seems as though, I mean, that's so encouraging to me to hear just, man, I'm going to be who, who put my identity in who Christ has made me be. Absolutely. Uh, not what has happened to me or the darkness of my past, but to walk in the victory of yeah. Jesus every yeah. day. So, yeah. so an interesting part of this, too, is, um, I mean, you're still ministering, serving, your family's participating in the church that, man, a, a lot of... These memories flood back, I'm sure, every time you walk in the door. How have you been able to do that? Yeah, yeah. So um, when I went off to college, I went to ETSU. I never planned on coming back. Um, In fact, I really lost touch with a lot of friends because I just thought, well, what's the point? I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. So when I started dating my husband who was here and um, we were engaged and everything, I hid. Mm. I hid for a year. Mm. And we went to another church for five years, and then we visited, and we just kind of trickled back. And I did. I hid for a while. It was really hard to come into this place, uh, to be honest. And the reason I share this with you is because we are sinful humans, and too many people get you know, that church is this hypocritical place, right? but we are all people trying to make it yeah. and, and live the best that we can for right. Jesus. And so unfortunately, sin can get a grasp on God's people yeah. uh, pretty well. And so, um, you know, I didn't have it easy once I was going through, mm-hmm. I had a few, I had a, I, I have a few wonderful Sunday school leaders yeah. that just walked and held my hand um, Yeah. Rachel Lovingood was one of them I was talking earlier, um, that just walked my hand, held my hand through everything. And um, I think those few people that were in ministry here overcame the bad. Mm. The other leaders that may have spoken ill or other people in the youth group that may have spoken ill 
Um, so it was hard to come back, but I think that's where my uh, frame of mind is that people all make mistakes. Yeah. And I think God just always wanted to show that, you know, we can move on from the grips of sin and mm-hmm. the grips of destruction. And yeah. I'm going to put my good yeah. out there for all to see and yeah. overcome that because yeah. that's what he is, is an overcomer. Yeah. And so it's wild to think I'm back here, but I, I have been here a long time now. So. That's right. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so it's it amazing. is wild. You know, and now you're, and you're serving in the student ministry and you're so engaged there. You know, it's funny. People do offer that critique of church a lot. Like, it's full of hypocrites. Yeah. And I just want to be like, yes. Yeah, yes. It, yes. That is We're kind of messed up. That is an accurate critique yeah. of yeah. every one of us. And yeah. uh, But I'm thankful that in our brokenness, we can run to a very, very complete and, and yeah. you know, insufficient Lord. It's, it's a war for our soul. Yeah. And abuse and sexual sin and sexual abuse is a whole part of our soul. Yeah. And in Psalms 34, it says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and yeah. will save those that are crushed in spirit. And when you think of your spirit, that's your soul. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that that is such a um, heart-wrenching thing for God young girls and boys, I don't want to leave the boys out because yeah. it does happen to the boys to, right. to experience. And if only we could, um, you know, do things differently in our teenage years and see mm-hmm. the destruction that's caused by so, so much of giving our bodies away or having yeah. our bodies yeah. uh, taken from us. Right. You right. know, but Jesus is, is faithful and he will, um, he will heal you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So let's talk about if someone's listening or maybe even watching and they're um, realizing, man, I need some help. You know, yeah. I, they, I've identified with your story today and, and just got to have some, like, what, what do we need to do? How can they find some help? I know from my perspective, we got a counseling center here at the yes, church. So Victorly. Victorly. <laughs> you can, you can, you can make a call to our, our counseling center and there'll be folks there that would love to, um, just help you get connected. What what would you yeah. what else would you say is a good next step and first step? Okay, so I would if you can talk to your parents, if you're yeah. of that age where you're still living with your parents yeah. and you can talk to them, let them know. Um, they might already see what's going on mm-hmm. and don't know how to approach. So if you're a parent not knowing what to do, you can reach out to me and yeah. I will give you some tips on how to reach out to them. Yeah. But basically it's just being an ear. Yeah. Because they might be so in love with this person, or if you're listening, you might be so in love with this person, even as a 50-year-old woman, that you you don't know how to pull yourself away from this to get help. But it is not your fault. Yeah. And the first thing you have to do is talk about it. Right. I did not talk about it. Okay. So talk about it with somebody that you trust. And if they don't know how to help you, yeah. then go to our counseling you know, center here. You are welcome. Anyone is welcome to message me or I can connect you further. Okay. Um, in Knoxville, we have a family justice center. They're victims advocates, and they will hold your hand and walk you through everything. Cool. If you're a woman with kids running or whatever, they will pick you up and put you in a place that is completely secluded. Nobody knows. Or I don't even know the address yeah. and get you help. But the most important thing is definitely to talk about it with yeah. somebody and um, yeah. and they will get you in the right place. So there are people that just don't know, may not right. see what's going on. And so you've got to reach out. Yeah. You know, I think the natural tendency is to just swallow hard and try and move on with life. But this is not a matter no. that you can fix on your own. No. Get some help. Yeah, if you're yeah. a student, you're a teenager, you know, our student minister here, uh, Sam and Casey and that whole team do an incredible job. Emily Ann's involved in that ministry. I mean, there's there's so many people ready to help. Yeah. It's just time not to be 
don't live in the dark on this. Right. Step into the light. And there's a lot of people that want right. to help you. Yes. Yeah. You're you're worth it. That's right. If if you are his child, you are worth it. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. Well, thanks for being with us today. This has been a very, very inspiring conversation, honestly. Thank you. From such a dark place to seeing what the Lord's doing now. Man, I just praise the Lord. Thanks for, for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for The Stretch with Dr. John Mark Harrison. For more information and for Sunday service times, check us out at concordonline.org. Please subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it, and share it with your friends. Again, thanks for listening.